Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hello, Olivia. Welcome to our half year wrap. <laughs> Makes me think we should have like a rap battle or something. Oh, I wish we'd thought of that. I'm unprepared. I'm not good at freelancing. I have to write it ahead. You're not good at freelancing? <laughs> oh, oof. Freudian slip. Shoot. <laughs> Freestyling. Freestyling. You don't have like the stem of the T matches my R and the tittle of the I is like the pie in the sky. Oh, wow. That's what I've got. That better make it in the final cut. Yep. <laughs> well. Bittersweet moment. We have a summer break coming up. Yeah, this is going to be our last podcast for a little bit while we recoup and try to live life, I think, is the plan yeah. for summer. Yeah, I hope everyone's going to be living life this summer, taking advantage of some of those extra hours of sunshine. We certainly will, as well as getting some great stuff planned ahead for when we return in the fall workshop or two, some great interviews. So definitely stay tuned. We're not going away. I learned a new term called pod fading. Have you heard this? <laughs> no. It's when you just stop recording a podcast with no anticipated closure date. You just fade away into the distance. Like when a TV show gets canceled without having a final episode. Yes. Are you hinting? I was like, no, what? I thought we not, were coming back. No, we will not be pod fading in case anyone's oh, nervous. Oh. Like listening to this in a month and being like, where did they go? We're just having fun. That's like, you know, just in case you thought I was going to poison you in this food that I'm serving you, I'm not poisoning you. Yes. Oh, no, oh. stop. Well, Wait, I wasn't no. worried before, but now I am. Not that. Not that. We're going to be back. <laughs> Wait, also I'm realizing we don't have a nerd alert right now. That's okay. It's just going to be a regular, regular podcast. Yeah, good old-fashioned one before the nerd alerts, where it's a throwback. Oh, yeah, it's a throwback. I like it. We're <laughs> hearkening back to our roots. <laughs> I do feel like we did pod fade away back in 2018 or 19, but... It was a confusing time, that's all. Yes, yes. We have a plan for going forward. We are going to make some details to some of the things that we're going to work on, but we have a general plan for what we're going to do in the fall. And Steph has some ideas. You have some ideas. I might eventually have some ideas. So, you know, it's nice. And you were the one who really suggested you have always been the champion for mental health. You got a new job recently and have been working your butt off. And I guess me too, even though mine is more yeah, of a silver freelancing say. thing. But I've certainly been working my butt off. And so I, I think it was it was a good idea to take a little break for the summer. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be nice. Don't anyone get too sad yet. We have some really fun links this week. Mm -hmm. Starting off, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Starting off with the Instagram rebrand. Because this has been out for a little bit now. Only a couple weeks. And to be fair, you were on vacation, so we couldn't talk about it without you. This is true. So this is our first link. Our first link's from Ad Week, and they title this article about the rebrand, Instagram unveils new visual identity with a focus on accessibility, legibility. I find that hard to believe, but okay. I find this a very generous title as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of our first reactions were like, wait, what? 
Why? These were weird choices. Okay. There's been a lot of backlash to this Instagram font. What Instagram can really lean on when they talk about this new Instagram stands is that it's much more accessible and there are a lot more global scripts that are in the font that they're previous to really kind of embrace their global community. That is an excellent thing. I do not want to downplay that at all in this conversation. But I can talk about the Latin letter forms, which I have many opinions on. So we're going to start <laughs> talking about those. Micah. Yeah. It's been a couple weeks now that I've been staring, that I've been revisiting this, being like, maybe it's not that bad. No, it's that bad. It's still that bad. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? First of all, I feel like the brand is separate from any type design refresh or any refreshed gradients that you can paste onto the brand. The brand has been struggling for a couple years because it just hasn't taken good enough care of its users. Yeah. Everybody's been frustrated with how Instagram works or how it doesn't. And I don't think a brand refresh is going to fix that. But it feels like that's kind of what they think. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> okay. There's a lot to talk about. One of the more successful parts of the rebrand is the gradient. I think they did a really nice job kind of bringing some more life into that. But again, like most people did not even notice the gradient switch. It's super, super subtle. So I think we should just focus on the logo and the typeface. Okay. Okay. The logo. I really hate the logo. The logo is the typeface, right? More or less, yeah. I'm sure they do a few customizations on it, but it basically is a typeface. It literally looks like they designed this logo, and then they're like, let's make a typeface that matches the letters in this logo. And the logo itself as a base, it gives me a typographic headache. <laughs> the G, the R, the A. What is going on there? I don't know. I remember when I first looked at it, I was like, it's almost like we've done a couple episodes based on type talks about fonts. I remember seeing one that was about fonts that mimic Chinese characters, but are Latin or mimic Hindu scripts, but are Latin. Yeah. And this to me feels like they were going for like a Thai script, yeah. but in Latin? Yes. I don't know why. So that feels weird. The connections don't make sense, right? Why are you connecting this R to a double story A, an R that doesn't have a beginning line, no entry line, which is like you would never see that in any calligraphic word if you're really doing something that's partially script. Why would you have this R go to a double story A and not the G to the R? which is like a much more natural connection. Why does mm -hmm. the G have the smallest descender I've ever seen on any geometric G? I don't understand. There is so much that just feels jumbled, and I've looked at this a lot. And if anyone saw the word gram and Instagram right now on its own, it would look like a student project. <laughs> Insta and I'm then gram look like different words from different fonts. Yeah, obviously, for sure. Yes, you're right. But also, I just struggle to, you know, I think one of the reasons we linked to this article instead of their actual brand site or anything else was because I couldn't find their logo on the actual brand site. 
Mm. It made no sense. There's a brand site which links to a site about gradients and a site about the typeface. And I was like, man, if I actually even had to use Instagram branding somehow, like I don't know how to get at it. Yeah. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It bothers me even more that like in their ad campaigns, they'll spell out the word Instagram, but they won't use their logo. Instead, they'll use the typeface. So it looks like a wrong version of their logo when they spell it out in their typeface and they don't use the correct alternates. Mm. That seems like really losing some brand equity situation and like really diluting the visuals that you've created. But then, I mean, we can talk about this typeface. Which if, if they didn't do all these loop-de-loop things is like a fine typeface. They were clearly building off of the squircle icon, the square right. circle combo of the Instagram. That's fine. I don't care. Go ahead and do that. But then when they start building the squircle and then adding squiggles, it's like, can we just choose a thing? You're doing too yeah. much. It's too much. The only successful one, I do like the at sign. I feel like there's something a little bit ownable about that asset. Already the at sign's a really unusual character. You can do whatever the frick you want to do with it. But when they do the little loop-de-loops in a sans-serif O or a loop within a sans-serif P, it just seems so superfluous. It seems like- Good word. We're different. Can't you see by this loop in this P? And it's really distracting. And it's really a shame because Colophon- puts out great work. I've seen the work they've done. I've never felt so – I've never questioned their output the way I'm just like really questioning this. And I have a feeling it was designed by council. It was designed by a group of people that said, oh, we need to make this feel really distinct. We're Instagram. We're losing to TikTok. Can we add some squiggles? Can we add some character? But not too much because we still need to make it legible. I can imagine this was designed by focus group or something. That's what it feels like to me. I guess maybe we should find out. What really confuses me is they call it script. Like if you actually look on the site for the font, the regular is a fairly normal font. Like the Q has a little curly thing, which in that context is cute. Yeah. And then you go to the script one and you're like, oh, everything's, like you said, superfluously curly and loopy and off Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like it makes a script in the end it's just like extra decorated yeah exactly nothing's like actually connected and i think to be a script it's like okay is it connected forms or is it based off of a historic script you're just making a whimsical sans serif at this point yeah that's my issue also i don't like to bring up the rules of typography or rules of type design But I do feel like when you're developing a typeface, there are certain characters you can have a lot of agency with. For example, the tail of the queue. Tail of the queue can be literally whatever you want usually, and people will buy into it. Or more unusual or less common characters like a Z or an X. But then when you go to characters that are really, really common and seen like the characters that are the low numbers in the Scrabble tiles, like the A, the R, the I, I don't really think... It is in anyone's best interest to start making those have alternates or making those feel really distinct because it's only going to distract your eye when you're actually reading something. Mm. I feel like that's some basic type design stuff, though. Like, do you disagree with me? No, I don't. I'm just confused because, like, the more that I'm looking into it, on their site, you can look at all of the characters that are in this Instagram sans script. 
but then they have a type tester below and you can't test it in Instagram script sans script. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, did they just make the script for the logo, but then they use it in a bunch of the mm. explanation of what the refresh is about? And so I just don't know. I see what you mean. Yeah, because they haven't on specimens this crazy script, but maybe they like trust no one to use the script. And so they're like, this might be like a distinct brand asset that we write a gazillion guidelines around and only like a handful of agencies or whatever get to touch the script part. I don't know. Maybe. I still have issues with that, though. I have so many issues. I know. You know, at the end of the day, it's great that it got expanded to a bunch of scripts. And it's very global. But my heart is heavy for this Latin (laughs) script. It's very heavy for it. (laughs) And just the general confusion about what is this brand and how do you use it. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. According to the Web3 Futurists, Instagram is part of our past anyways. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on. We've shit on this enough. Okay. It was fun, though. Was it not? (laughs) (laughs) Next link we got is a fun one. It's a great one. We can only say positive things about the next link we got. So don't worry. <laughs> we will bring this up. It only goes up from here. But I know there have been people that are probably wondering what we thought about that. Okay. It's from Mass Driver, a foundry that we're huge fans of. I think we covered their typeface Nichrome a few months back. Uh, very talented folks or folk over there. Forget if it's run by one person. But anyways, they're Mass Driver Workshop page is a collection of small web tools for working with fonts, and they're all developed by Mass Driver, and they're available to anyone, and you can use all these fun tools in your browser. And a couple of them are for testing typefaces. There's one just like overview of your font sort of thing, so looking at your metadata and your font metrics, always super helpful if you're using a new font or you're designing one yourself and want to see what's in there. There's a tool called Waterfall to help you create words of the same length. And that's to help with uh, justification. And then there's also a beautiful gradient tool that helps you create the smoothest of smooth gradients, which I feel like I always love a satisfying gradient. So I'm excited to explore all those things. You you found this link, Micah. Well, I think somebody posted it on Twitter being like, isn't this cool? And at first I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing that it's just like a handful of useful tools. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is good to to keep in mind. The gradient thing is interesting because they're using curves to create the gradients, Mm -hmm. which is like kind of hard to just do via your brain sometimes. Yeah. So that's cool. And then the other tools, you know, Steph was like, hey, make sure to explain why these are useful. And font metrics and metadata is the kind of thing where, like, if you want to find a backup for a font, like, it's useful to know the cap height and the weight types that are available, the ascenders and the descenders. And this is like a real easy just website. You just drop it on and and figure it out. Yeah. I think these sort of websites are always great. I've actually used a few of these types before where you kind of drop in your metadata or drop in your font and get a bunch of word lengths when testing custom type for brands. 
thoughts. Like sometimes people are less familiar with proofing typefaces. If you're a designer, not necessarily a type designer, but you're trying to art direct type designers, these are super helpful to be like, okay, is the spacing working out? Here's an easy, quick link that I can just send someone and say, hey, you can look at this or you can look at what the metadata says. So this stuff is always super helpful. Yeah. And while there's a handful of like technical glitches and whatnot, I think it's just probably a tool that they built for convenience and just put on their site for convenience and then shared it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's just using like open source technology, but to have it wrapped up in a website that you can just drop something onto is nice. Good bookmark to save. Yeah. And also, I like the visual design. They're like super grid heavy, and I love a grid. I respect the grid. Yeah, I agree. Nice stuff all around. It just kind of drives me nuts. I will just share this workshop if you're listening. Clicking on both tools and resources in the menu do the same thing. Oh, indeed. I keep driving myself nuts thinking, like, before I realized that, I was, like, clicking on it and then just clicking around Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, wait, am I on the same page? Where am I going? What's happening? And then I was like, oh, they just just linked to the same menu. (laughs) Good. Good call out. Good call out. All right. What we got next? This next one. This one's a reader. You got to read it with your eyeballs. Yeah. You got to use those words after words. No pictures. It is anti-design is going digital. The subheader is this decades-old aesthetic is helping a new generation of designers rebel against convention. So the decades-old aesthetic, when they say that, they're talking about anti-design. And they're really talking about the concept of anti-design. And anti-design itself has morphed throughout the years, and it's really always a reaction to whatever mainstream design there is. So I think most people, when they really think about the really rebellious anti-design movement, they'll think of like the 90s and the crazy graphics that came out of that era and the postmodern graphic design, David Carson. That was some really classic, oh, we're rebelling against all the Swiss typographic rules, A, B, and C, et cetera. And in this article, they're talking about how that whole mindset can actually be brought into the internet. And um, the article gets pretty interesting towards the end. The first half is like an intro to what even that means to go against the design trends. But towards the end of it, they talk about what are the use cases for it? And is it time that we start thinking outside the boundaries and rebel against the rules a little bit more in the design of user interfaces and of the internet? And they're saying, you know, it's not obviously the right thing for everything, but is it right that we're applying a very templated website design to everything? Maybe not necessarily. There's a really funny tweet that they link to in this article, which you got to read to find because there's no images. (laughs) And it's talking about how basically most websites are center aligned with a very specific layout of headlines and subheadlines and CTAs, or it's like left aligned with a picture on the right and then right aligned with a picture on the left. And like most websites quite honestly follow into this template. And when looking at that, you're like, oh yeah, I can see how that really does feel like what we're used to. So when do we start thinking about the Space Jam websites of the 2000s? Is that when that came out? Micah, do you remember it? Do you know that oh, website gosh. people love to reference? No, what the heck it's is that? Like, Space it's the Jam, Space the Jam movie? website. Yeah, it's the website for the Space Jam movie. I'm pretty sure it's still on the internet. I'm gonna look it up now and see what if spacejam.com. Yes. yes. So if you want to think about what people are thinking about when they're thinking about anti-design, they're thinking about spacejam.com. 
1996. And this is just GeoCities. What's GeoCities? What's oh my gosh, Steph? I hope you're listening. What's GeoCities? What's GeoCities, GeoCities is like the OG website hosting where you make tables and link to stuff and have hit counters of how many people have visited your website. Oh my gosh. Can't believe you've I never even that. heard of GeoCities. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it when you come out with your gems though. Uh, about the We're going to have to do a whole nerd alert on GeoCities. I'm okay, we definitely you. will. I'm here for it. But yeah, so it's like whole idea of at what point are we taking this like very user friendly, which is great in some ways, template and then applying it to everything. So they show some uses of anti-design in more editorial projects, which I think is like actually they have some pretty interesting examples down at the bottom. They link to Bloomberg's global guide to state sponsored trolling, which funny enough, I feel like Bloomberg really has a reputation for hiring some crazy graphic designers on their staff. And I do like seeing like some out of the ordinary designs on an editorial piece. Like when you think about editorial magazines, that's when you see people really getting creative with typography and layout. I would love to see like that same idea being posed to like internet uses. And they have a few other publications in there as well. They have a link to Adidas Young One Alpine sneakers, which I was having a hard time finding, but maybe someone can find that for us and uh, let us know what that's about. But yeah, anti-design. Gen Z is about it, and I'm sure you'll be seeing it in the future. And I think there are times when there's kind of a purposeful reason to be a little ugly or be a little against the rules and against the grain. I, I, this whole thing just annoys me. It does? Uh, Because calling it anti-design is a little silly. Mm -hmm. Because if the whole idea is basically like, oh, yeah, we're sick of the cookie cutter templates, that's fine. That's cool. But also that's been done before, too. And basically these good examples that they're linking to where it's like interesting and like um, like you were referencing like a magazine, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I remember when Jason Santa Maria had a blog and he was art directing in quotes because it was his own blog, I guess, every article where like he would just make a new design for each article. It's like microsites for fonts, right? Yeah, where it's just yeah. like rather than just having it on the template of the Foundry page, you're just like putting in a lot of extra work to like actually design the page for that thing. Mm. I understand conceptually that every art movement is rebelling against the art movement before it. Mm -hmm. And so while minimalism got super popular at the height of Apple getting large, now it's maximalism, right? Mm -hmm. It's like throwing everything that you can possibly throw on there on there just to see why not. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that, but it's a little silly because even referencing the Space Jam website, like that was the best that anybody could do. And that was how the web looked. It wasn't weird. It was just like somebody had tried extra hard and made a bunch of graphics and stuff. That was how you designed websites. Oh, yeah. I brought that up not as an example of anti-design, but it's like what people could imagine like anti-design today hearkening back to. But I think it also goes back to your argument that all of this is cyclical and what was once popular 20 years ago and it's totally out of fashion is now what could be considered rebellious. It's like when everyone was making... 
I still think there's a lot of people making websites with like Times New Roman and ugly looking HTML to kind of be like, oh, wow, we got rid of CSS. Isn't that crazy? Right. Like, it's not that crazy. Like, we used to just not have CSS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting to think about how that will evolve and like how the rebels will evolve throughout the years. And I would love to see a timeline of the past 15 years of websites that are really out of the ordinary for their time and how those have evolved as well. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe there's something cyclical in that. Fair. Yeah. That's what I got. That's what I got for y'all. All right. All right. Next article from Colossal. Thin lines, dots, and geometric shapes merge into a minimal typographic collection. So this lovely design piece is from designer Adam G. And he is making minimal illustrations out of his Santa Monica-based studio, Truth Creative. And he created a 36 Days of Type, one of our favorite projects, celebrating the typographic genius. And his 36 Days of Type used a style that he calls Messy Mod, which <laughs> is an aesthetic that um, is kind of an eclectic array of shapes, whether that's super thin lines or perfect circles or flowing organic forms, and uses these very seemingly basic elements to create some pretty wild typography that all uses these modules, but in some pretty unexpected ways. It's some nice eye candy. It's definitely inspiration if you're thinking about your next display typeface. Certainly nothing you can use in small sizes on this page, but some really satisfying just use of form. I'm pretty blown away by this number eight which has the counters of the eight living side by side with one counter higher than the other. Never seen an eight look like this. <laughs> that true. might be my favorite character in this set. It's interesting looking at the Truth Creative website too, because it seems like a bunch of client work kind of inspired some of this. Like it's very mm. similar to some illustrations that were done for Target. Or, like, you can kind of see hints of it in other stuff, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. I think if you're thinking about those basic elements for a really long time, sometimes, like, I'll feel that, like, at work. I don't know. I'm working for a client. Not necessarily, like, my job now, but in the past. And you're trying to think about 10 different ways to use maybe a handful of elements, and you spend all day thinking about that. Then you're just like, wait, what else can I do with this? And that almost can act as good inspiration. And then usually most of the time I don't find time to do it in my free time because it's my free time and not work time. But right. it is inspiring seeing people kind of translate those interests. The Truth Creative Instagram is incredibly satisfying. Actually takes this style and you'll see some illustrations that are being used with it. And very excited about that work too. There's like a whole website related to it. Oh. And even on the Truth Creative site, they have like a whole other project beyond the letters and numbers where they made all these crazy illustrations. I see. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. I thin... think you can buy prints if you like. Yeah. Really like them. Yeah, I see that. Good catch. Wild stuff. Going crazy out here. Nice, nice, nice. Love finding a new artist. That artist's name is Adam G. And Truth Creative is their studio. Final link. 
Final link, sorry, I was probably shouting that of the day, is Logo <laughs> Archives, Logo Histories. Logo Archive is a weekly newsletter that delivers short stories on modernist logos of the past. You do have to subscribe to it. So a lot of the past articles are under a paywall. But there are some that are available to take a look. And it's pretty insane that someone's dedicating time once a week to figure out the history of these logos that we come across nearly every day. I'm particularly interested in the Nike one. I don't think I actually... I think the full story, yeah, she did a $35 logo. Carolyn Davidson did a $35 logo for Nike, and that's how the Nike logo started. So we'd love a little bit more of a deep dive on that history. That's always been interesting. There's a few free articles. You can find out the history of the IBM logo. Um, it looks like Herb Blue Balance A6 logo, the history of that, is available too for free. And I like anything or Blue Ballon related, so I'll be checking that one out. And it seems like there's some nice sketches and historical archiving of what the logo looked like in progress and, according to Steph, some beautiful writing. So definitely seems worth it if you love that history. It does seem like the kind of in-depth writing that we love from a traditional Olivia nerd alert kind of thing. Yeah. It seems almost that quality. Obviously, no one can compare. Oh, my gosh. Stop. But, uh, <laughs> In the few that I've randomly found where I like can read the whole article and see all of the depth behind it and stuff, it's mm-hmm. pretty deep. And if you're really into logos, I don't know the history of the PBS logo. It sounds like there's a podcast coming soon from Logo Archive. So mm. maybe we can sort out a little collaboration in the future. That'd be fun. How neat. A sharing of ideas could be yeah. a could be a fun future for when we are back on the podcast. In many weeks' time. <laughs> because with that, that's our final link for the first half of 2022. Are you speechless? Yeah, that's why I made noises because I was like, I have no English words to describe. To describe this feeling of accomplishment and pride. <laughs> <laughs> many thanks, as always, to Steph and Diego, though, who help us make this podcast happen. Yeah. And Steph obviously is a genius who we talk about her all the time, but we don't shout out Diego enough who edits all the ums and ahs and silly things that I say out so I don't sound like a total dummy. Yeah. And we had a great first of the year. We had several episodes of podcasts come out. We had our 100th episode. We had workshops with Jazz Holmes, with Thomas Jockin, with Oliver Schoendorfer, had all our friends coming out to teach some wonderful topics. Yeah. And we're going to like continue to be partnering with people in the community and doing all that great jazz after we get some tan lines and uh <laughs> the season 3. This was season 2, right? Oh, like, yeah, you're right. I feel we like are... season 3's theme, at least for me, is going to be is going to be trying to like the word community, right? Like it's yeah. a good it's a good theme that I think that uh, we've always wanted to explore and needed the right team in place to start exploring. Yeah. So change is coming. I forgot that that will be season three when we pick up. So yeah, this is season two wrap. Our one in our two year season. <laughs> First one was three months. Second one was two years. Who Next knows? one, who knows? Who knows? All right. With that, I'm going to lead us out. Do it. Do 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 do